get straight into it and ask the question, what is current all about? Like, we're, we're starting this church. We're still figuring things out like music stands. What is church all about? Uh, what is this church all about? And to get us thinking about that, by the way, if you have your Bibles or you have it on a Bible app or you don't, it'll be on your screens. We're going to be looking at Mark 12 primarily, and then we're going to dip into another passage. But what is current all about? What are we trying to be about? And I thought to get ourselves thinking about that, I would share a statistic that you, you may or may not know. Did you know that the Bay Area is now the most unchurched and dechurched part of the U.S.? Now, if you haven't heard those terms, it's what social scientists use to, to talk about people who are just not going to church, have never gone to church, or people who de-church have gone to church in the past and are no longer going to church. The Bay Area is the biggest one. Now, some of you are probably like, no, actually, that doesn't surprise me. This is the Bay Area. But here's what's interesting to me, and here's what's sad, even tragic to me, are the reasons folks are giving for why they want less to do with the church or leaving the church in greater numbers than ever before. The top three Research will tell you, having conversations, you know, on the street will tell you. The top three people are leaving the church or wanting less to do with the church are for hypocrisy, uh, air of moral superiority, it was put. So that's, I, I see that as self-righteousness, like spiritual pride, and judgmentalism. Hypocrisy, self-righteousness, and judgmentalism. And you know what's sad about that? Because if you stop to think about what that means, it means people are rejecting Christianity for Christians, perceived or otherwise, and not because of Christ. And Jesus had a thing or two to say, when you look at the, the, the Bible stories about him, about those same things. Take, for instance, hypocrisy. There's a whole chapter in the Bible covering Jesus' life that's dedicated to Jesus, who is otherwise kind, gentle, soft Jesus, tearing into the religious leaders for being hypocrites. He's saying, you brood of vipers, which uh, that's a kind of a cool put-down right there, first-century style. You brood of vipers, you put on burdens, you put burdens on people that you yourselves can't carry. Jesus just detests hypocrisy or take judgmentalism. Here's the claim uh, that Jesus made. If he's the perfect, sinless son of God, he had every right to come and judge us. And that's kind of the logic there. And yet he came not judging and teaching do not judge. Actually, if you take it a step further, here's the gospel or good news of Jesus. He actually took on our judgment on his body. And that's what the cross is about. So, so Jesus, was, he detests hypocrisy, self-righteousness. And yet, that's how folks, a lot of folks are saying, you know what, we just want nothing to do with the church. Here's why we're starting this church. We want to, here, here's what we're about. We want to try to get out of the way as best as we can and focus on Jesus. What is current all about? We're all about Jesus. And you know what? At the foundation of it all, at the start of it all, we want to we say we don't have it all figured out. We don't have our act all together. We're not a perfect church. Actually, we, we want to really embrace that. We don't have it all figured out. We aren't perfect. But we're following the one who we believe does have it figured out. And so that's what this is all about. And what I want to do right now with you is just focus on three of what I see to be Jesus' main teachings. So we're going to look at Mark and, and John. Again, it'll be on the screen so you can follow along there. But what's the vision? What are we trying to do? Well, number one, uh, this was, let me open up my Bible here. This is in, in Mark 12. Uh, we're about loving God. 
Okay, we want to love God. And this is in Mark 12, uh, verse 28, says this. One of the, the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, that, you know, people were trying to stump Jesus. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, this guy asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. What I love about this is there's a number of things going on behind this guy's question, but one of them almost certainly is this. Jesus, just tell me the main thing. Just tell me what I got to do so I can do that and be good. Uh, Jesus was asked that question actually a number of times. One of the Bibles describes this rich young ruler who came up to him. He phrased the same question this way. Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Tell me what I need to do to be right with God so I can do that and I'm golden. But do you see how if we make things about doing, it's a slippery slope towards the things we just talked about, hypocrisy, self-righteousness, judgmentalism. For instance, hey, I'm doing this when really I'm not. Hey, I'm doing this. I'm looking down. I, you know, I scoff in your general direction, self-righteousness, whatever. Hey, I'm doing this, and why aren't you doing it? Judgmentalism. And Christian friends, I think this is one of the things we just, we can't go there. Jesus, Jesus said we got to live out the opposite. Are you kidding? And so we, we, need to, we need to love God. You know, it's interesting. I saw a survey recently of a large church that asked their congregation, like two, two 3,000 odd people in their congregation, asked them, what does it mean to be a Christian? And I, I, I got to see the list, the compiled list of thousands of answers basically into 20 of the most common. And I got to see before it was published, and I was reading through the list. It was like, you know, go to church, which, congratulations, you're doing good on that. You know, pray, uh, read your Bible, perform an act of kindness. That one said every week is, is pretty specific. Perform an act of kindness. You know, act of kindness, I think of like those guys who tip crazy waiters or waitresses that, and just, you know, non-honestly. You know, just do, do these things. 20 things of what we should do. What does it mean to be Christian? 20 things of what to do. And my heart just sank because when I got to the bottom, I was like, oh, my goodness. Jesus cuts through all of that. Because I look at that list, and I, you know, I'm a pastor. I can't live up to that. I can't live up to that. Jesus cuts through all of that, and he says, you know what it's all about? It's about loving God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. It's pursuing him for who he is. Now, does that mean the other things in the Bible, the instructions, you know, the praying, the going to church are bad things? Of course it doesn't mean that. But it's like, you know, Cindy and I have a, uh, our anniversary this week. We have our anniversary this week, which is really exciting. If I were to go and, and put on that to-do list, okay, here's how I love Cindy. You know, remember that it's this week, so check, you know, good husband. You know, plan something, write a card. I can't go to Cindy and be like, hey, I wrote this card. I love you. Like, come on. No, I got I to gotta love Cindy for who she is. And so these things are important, but it's about loving God. So how we're saying it here at Current is love God. It's a personal relationship, not a list of do's and don'ts. Uh, recently, I, I saw an article in CNN that was an interview with Brad Pitt. And he was talking about his faith and actually how he came to reject Christianity. And he, he connected it to his relationship with his dad. And he was real clear in this interview, he loves his dad, he respects his dad, he actually models a lot of his parenting after his dad. But he said in, in, this, in this article, he said, the reason he rejects the Christian faith is, is my dad raised me with all the Christian guilt of shoulds and should nots. 
can and cannot. I hope when we read words like that or hear words like that, our hearts sink a little bit. Christian guilt, Christian guilt, that, that's an oxymoron. That doesn't go together. There's, the Bible is filled with verses like, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Or, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. Christian guilt is not a part of the equation. To hammer this home, Jesus told one of his most famous stories. There was a son who just got fed up living under his dad. Just didn't, status quo wasn't working for him. So he came and he did the unthinkable. This would be unthinkable in our culture today, but back then in that culture, off the charts. He came and he asked his dad, I want my inheritance early. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not waiting for you to die. And what's shocking as Jesus tells the story is actually, he says, the father said, you know what, go ahead, go ahead. So the father, uh, excuse me, the son takes it and lives the fast life. It's fun for a little while, but then he hits rock bottom. Everything's empty. He feels broken. He's, he's, you know, he just gets to the place where he's just like, I've hurt so many people, myself, my reputation, my family. And he comes to the conclusion of, man, I could at least go back to my dad and have, and, and be a servant. And so he starts making that trek back to his dad's home, and he, he crafts this little speech. God, you know, Dad, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. Would you please take me back as a slave? And when he gets within eyeshot of the house, the dad sees him from afar and starts sprinting after him. And as he approaches, the son goes into his little speech. Dad, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. And without any more fanfare, the dad doesn't let him get finish another word, bear hugs him, puts a ring on him, gets him a new robe, and throws the biggest feast he could for this son, saying he was lost, but now he was found. And I think Jesus' point there was, look, when you mess up, which we're going to mess up, what he wants from us is just to run back into his arms. He just wants us to run into his arms. It's a relationship. And Christian guilt should just, it shouldn't even be on the, on the page. So at current, we're not claiming to be perfect. In fact, we want to embrace that. One of my favorite verses of the Bible is one of the, the, the early Christian writers, uh, Paul, the apostle. He says this, in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. Like, let's drop the facade. We don't have it all figured out. Christians are anybody, actually. And we just want to live out of that thought. And it, it's interesting to me, when you think about the love that Jesus describes, for instance, in that story, uh, what's not to love about God? When, if, he just, if he loves us so unconditionally, pursuing him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, with every for who he is, it, be, it is a fulfilling thing. Number two, uh, we want to hear what current is about, is love one another. And this is, this is uh, moving to another passage. We'll come back to the other one. Uh, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. He's talking to his disciples. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So real quickly, the situation here, the context here was... Jesus had been predicting for a year at this point with those disciples that he was going to be arrested, even killed. Now, whether or not they actually believed him during that time, the writing was on the wall at this point that it was going to happen. And so they were scared. Jesus was even saying, I'm leaving you. And here's what he said. In these precious moments we have, I want to tell you something. You guys need to love each other. Love each other like family. Now, you might say as you, as you read that scripture, well, where's the family part? Well, that's the part where Jesus says, as I have loved you, 
One of the mind-boggling truth claims about in the scriptures to me is Jesus, the perfect son of God, came to call us his brothers and sisters. Leave everything and be with us. That's what the miracle story of Christmas is all about. He took on our flesh. Hebrews 2 says, so he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Hebrews 4 talks about how, therefore, he can relate to us in every way. You know, my, my brother is here, so I'm going to embarrass him for a second. My best friend as well. And it's fun, you know, having grown up in, this, in the same family, of course, but going through similar things with a, different, with a similar temperament, we can finish each other's sentences no problem. I mean, even when we were away from each other, you know, I was living in China for two years. He was off to med school. We, we get back, and we're just like, immediately, I know how he's thinking. I mean, similar with Cindy. But there's just something that we, if he's going through something, it doesn't take heart. It, 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 my heart is immediately tuned to it. How much more can Jesus then relate to us when he's gone through everything, including giving his life for us? That's what he says. And he says, therefore, this is how I want you to love others. And what we're saying here is we want to love one another, live life together because authentic relationships matter. You know, com community is at the core of what we're trying to do here at Current. Uh, we, we want to be an extended family to each other. So not just asking how are you doing, but, but also asking how are you really doing. Uh, relationships are important. That's why a number of you are here. Uh, we want to be, be each other's family, experience the highs and lows. Some of you guys have children. We want to be your village. And lots, lots of us here, of course, are transplants. I mean, Silicon Valley, we're, we're transplants. We're away from family. We just want to put a stake in the ground and say we want to be a home for each other. And we, we want to we love each other through the transient, through the busyness. Uh, number three, and this is the last one, is we want to love our community. This is going back to the, the Mark passage. So after Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, he went on to say, verse 31, the second greatest commandment is this, love your neighbor as yourself. One of the principles, one of the great principles of the Bible that starts from the very earliest of pages to the very end is this, God blesses his children that in order for them to be a blessing. Take, for instance, what we've just talked about. Our vision is love God, love one another, Love our community. Notice what's not on that list. Hey, love ourselves. Like, you know, just love yourself. Uh, what's real essential, what, what's so integral of the Christian faith is Jesus says, no, when you love outward, then you will find your meaning, your purpose, your fulfillment. And so here's another way to put it. I like to think of it this way. God doesn't want spiritually fat Christians. He, he doesn't want Christian hoarders. He wants He wants the church, to be pouring out into the community. So we're just going to be looking for ways to do that. Uh, we On July 10th, we're going to be throwing uh, a, a huge free block party for the community. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have inflatables out there, live music, um, good food. By the way, if you have your, if, you know, one of those little sheets that you, you should have gotten is a little business card. It has more of the details there. You can look at it. We'd love for you to come out. This is a way, bring your friends. We just want to be out there building community. And if it goes great, let's do it again. Uh, we Loving our community also means partnering with organizations in the area that we really believe in. For instance, last month, a team of us got together and we supported an organization called Freedom House. Are you familiar with Freedom House? It's a group that provides aftercare help to survivors of human trafficking in the Bay Area, providing them counseling, education, even getting them a job. 
or helping them find a job. And so that's something we're connecting. You know, we're here at the senior center. How fun would it be to figure out ways to love on the seniors here? You might be connected in the community in ways that we can leverage, so to speak, and just love alongside you. Uh, that's really what this is about. Because here's the thing. The Silicon Valley is filled with global game changers. I mean, we come here to change the world. But if there's ever one who changed the world, we're good. It's Jesus. And he calls us to this larger-than-life purpose. And so that's what we want to do is just lock arms towards that purpose. So we want to love God, love one another, love our community. But the last thing I'll say here, and we'll, we'll conclude with this, is I actually can't end the sermon there because as hopefully inspiring and motivating as that might be, uh, there's more to it. And Jesus actually, there's this cryptic thing he says at the last part of this, the, this passage that alludes to it. So Jesus said, love God, love one another, and then the guy comes back, hey, you answered well. Love God, love one another. And then Jesus says this. When he saw that he'd answered wisely, this, this other gentleman, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Now, what's that all about, Jesus? You just told us what it's all about. Love God, love others. Not far. I thought that's the deal. Uh, is that then we're in? Not far. Well, there's all these other places that make clear what Jesus was alluding to here. And the, the, the place that I love most probably is one of the disciples late in his life, a guy named John, uh, wrote about this. He said, you, you want to talk about love? He said in 1 John 3, this is, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. He goes on, you want to know what love is? He says, God is love. And then he says this, we love because God first loved us. I mean, really, to me, at the very heart of what we're about, it's that. We love because God first loved us. As much as, for instance, I want to love Cindy, I'll, you know, I'd love her to death, I'm going to mess up on that. There's not a week that goes by I don't mess up on that in some form or fashion. How much more loving God am I going to miss? But here's the gospel or good news of Jesus, that when we receive his love, for what he did for us, receive as a gift, not something we do, not that list we receive, then it becomes this wellspring that pours out. And what John is saying here is because he lived with such a sacrificial life, we are called to live sacrificially as well. So we can say, you know what, we're going to put ourselves aside and just love, love the community, love one another's family, be there for each other. Um, so that's what we're trying to do. You know, if, if any of this kind of makes you want to think about it or talk about it, you know, see me afterwards. But that's what we're trying to do. You know, if you're here today, we want to we love you. Uh, we want to lock arms with you and love our community. So thanks for coming. We'll hope, we hope you continue to, to join us. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll continue.